So there's some technology that is popular mainly because it makes it really, really hard to do anything about it, even if it's legal or where it's easy to sort of be technically not breaking the law, but rather close to it. Uh, I think an early an early iteration of this was uh, or not very early, but one iteration of this that got a lot of attention was Pirate Bay, for example, and sort of BitTorrent uh, for mass, let's call it mass market copyright infringement, I guess. Uh, Pirate Bay also had things that were not illegal, but let's let's be fair, it was it was very popular due to all of the copyrighted material. The technology in itself isn't illegal. It's quite nifty and quite useful for distributing big files over very many people. Yeah, for sure. The Linux distributions distribute their ISOs that way. Also, they use FTP, so... Yeah. Yeah, then the technology itself, definitely uh, not illegal as such. Like the postal system. <laughs> yeah, but then you build a site which has all the references to getting the sort of illicit materials and then you try to argue that we don't actually provide them and they are like uh, like any good piece of legal construction uh, it will have to be hashed out in court because the law might say one thing but then the application of the law might say another but like, we've been through this a few different times in a few different ways. Like, Napster was one thing that was fairly straightforward in that people were sending files to each other. And then there's been more torrent variants and all of that stuff. But there's something interesting that happens when a technical solution that is meant to do something to sort of solve a non-technical problem to some extent, like, oh, we want to able to distribute these files without any one person needing to send the file to one other person that was part of BitTorrent. it wasn't all about all of it but that was part of it and now there's a thing like blockchain which is like oh untrackable anonymous uh, decentralized no trust required payments and uh, uh, with sort of Ethereum, it gets even more complex because you can do things that are not payments. And then that meets society, which has opinions about what's legal to do with payments and what's required when dealing with payment, which means you can use blockchain in ways that are technically uh, completely valid and legally very incorrect, which is... Uh, something you can do with a lot of things but it gets in my book it sort of gets interesting when it also includes uh, decentralized immutable ledgers which can then end up containing illegal data so do you mean that you could put metallica's first album on the blockchain illegally of course yeah i mean if you did if you did, that wouldn't be legal, typically, yeah. unless you're Metallica I'm not. or their agent. Um, but I 
guess I could put it there and it can you DMCA your blockchain? I mean you could try. I assume it's supposed to be resistant to that. I also know that there have been times that blockchains and currencies and stuff have been I think they call it hard forked where they've essentially uh, forked the consensus or or like rewritten the blockchain in a in a forced move essentially to fix something but you just said it was immutable yeah but it's distributed consensus so if you if you have consensus you can lie <laughs> i get serious 1984 vibes like that didn't happen <laughs> we we have consensus <laughs> that it didn't happen we all know it didn't happen yeah yeah but so uh, ju just to be clear like I was definitely very pro-pirate as a teenager. Now I'm very nuanced and boring, uh, but it, I'm still mostly pro-pirate because most of most of the people hit by pirates are uh, very, very major and uh, screw them. I don't really care. <laughs> but, uh, but there's some more nuance to it now than I definitely had in my teens than I just wanted free shit. Don't we all? in our teens yeah but as for blockchain it's like yeah interesting research project interesting technology uh, i don't see much good from it so i'm not into the whole blockchain or the nft or anything any of it i don't see nearly as much upside as i see downsides with it with the current implementation and all and i don't see it getting vastly better even with some iteration yeah but it's there, and it exists, and it's an immutable-ish, distributed-ish, ledger-ish. Which means people can put things on it, uh, as long as enough people agree that it was indeed put there by someone. They probably had to pay to put it there. But sort of removing something, I don't know that that's trivial to do. And... I think, yeah, like you were saying, DMCA or DCMA, DMCA. Digital Millennium Copyright Act? Uh, like a takedown notice. Yeah. Who would you uh, serve the notice to to begin with? That's a bit of a challenge. But of course, you could serve it to a few different companies that you know run notes and yeah. thus host this very legal information. I mean... It, it could be something truly illegal uh, uh, to to stay sort of on the on the less awful side of the world like top secret documents that that can be illegal to have or spread around yeah of course because well yeah and if you put it on there and they're like yo you <laughs> take it down I was like oh well we sort of can't well, remove it from your thing, all right? Then we're not sure we can be on the blockchain anymore. I don't, I don't even know what happens if someone tries to do that type of manipulation. I think they're ignored, and I think they might not be able to contribute to the blockchain. So it might take a company entirely off the blockchain, I'm not sure. Or they would have to sort of clone, and maybe they would have to throw theirs. <laughs> like, if they throw their data out and like, oh, let's start over from 
from the chain. Well, then they get the infringing material again. The illegal stuff comes back. Yeah. So I don't know what a company is supposed to do, which seems to me like a humongous liability. Yeah, because if they can't fix that, then they would be sued to oblivion. And all the other companies too, of course, that has anything to do with that blockchain. But this is silly and kind of stupid. This shouldn't be one of the... You shouldn't be able to take out the whole blockchain ecosystem by uploading a Metallica album to it. And I don't know if you can. I'm, I don't know if there's a mechanism for, for sort of handling this type of abuse, but it seems weird that you would be able to remove things from it when it's built on being a reliable ledger in that way. And then, and then there's stuff like, oh, but if you don't remove the infringing material, you will be levied a fine until yep. you do. Yep. Uh, and then started the big adventure where this minor player needs to figure out who else are running nodes and convince them to fork, I guess. Yep. Now, I, d I don't know if this, if this is a solved problem. I don't believe that it is. If, I don't see how it could be. I know there have been forks, but I don't think they could effectively fork every time someone gets a DMCA levied. And like, I don't think the big companies in China running these care about the DMCA. No, they don't, which makes it all more funny, I guess. Yeah, just things like that where I actually think it's very interesting when technology and technical decisions or technical implementations sort of <laughs> disagree. And the idea that I think is very, very popular with developers, sort of that, oh, but that's, that's not possible uh, so we can't do that. It's like, eh, but the law doesn't care. Uh, because society isn't built on the idea that if you built something in a way that couldn't be forced to comply with the laws and regulations, that, that you're off the hook. Indeed. it's Then you're rather on the hook even more. Yeah. Because then you haven't really tried. Because everyone is supposed to know the law and give a good shot at abiding by the law. Yeah, and exactly how that works will probably vary by country as well. Uh, yeah. Sort of what your your implicit or explicit requirement, what's required of you as a citizen. But there have definitely been technologies where where they've done a good and clear job of sort of, oh, this software, we built it to ensuring that the software itself is legal you can do illegal things with it like BitTorrent or mail yeah exactly and then if a torrent is full of things that are not legal to distribute then that torrent is a problem not like the torrent clients uh, the people hosting that torrent or redistributing uh, instances of it seeding it, peering it, those can get in trouble. But we don't have a sort of distributed store for it. I guess IPFS will have similar issues, interplanetary file system. 
Yep. I don't know what they can do about that. I don't I don't know if they're mutable or not. Uh, but it, I think it's an interesting thing when you implement something that could lead to you being unable to comply with the law, but still be in violation of it. I would be very careful about that, personally. Yeah, I think I would buy an island and try to start my own country before that. That's very popular these days. That's very that's a very crypto approach to life, you know. Yeah, it's ah, it's older than that. It's uh, have you read the Cryptonomicon? Yeah, but I don't remember all of it. The the no, me neither. It's a huge book, but one of the main ideas there is to buy an island and to start a bank. I think, uh, and they need their own currency, and it's it's all kind of out there. Yeah, they those books are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but there's have there have been many or several, I should say, uh, attempts by sort of crypto bros and NFT people to to do sort of build crypto havens of some sort. Uh, they have all been rather entertaining to read about because they're terrible <laughs> as ideas. None of them have worked yet, right? No, not nearly. Nah. I think you need one of the major countries behind you to make that work like uh, Russia or China or something. Yeah, and then you're under their foot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But in more sort of common use, if you if you disregard blockchain, I think there's also some technologies that <clears throat> sort of fight against regulation a little bit mm -hmm. or where regulation can become uh, costly at least. So a distributed ledger has some similarities to the event sourcing approach, except event sourcing is typically slightly more centralized in the usually one company builds their their application to store a series of events of what happened in the system and then uh, you derive all other state in the system from that and all all other triggers trigger off of those events and all of that that's an interesting way of building systems i haven't seen it work to great effect around me but i've heard people say that it's good and i've seen people say it's terrible uh, so so it's somewhere in between i'm sure but that also builds on sort of the idea of an immutable ledger it's supposed to be immutable it's usually implemented with something like kafka these days uh, but it's been it's been used with a variety of things and i think that has similar challenges in that you can very well run into cases where you need to redact things. So if you are doing event sourcing and you're not working in an industry where you need to keep perfect records, uh, of for, for example, if you're in healthcare, you might not be under pressure. In Europe, for example, we have the GDPR, which allows people to be forgotten, which means you can reach out to any company in the EU and say, I want you to remove all the information you have about me. And they have to comply. This means that, for one thing, you need to have a decent way of figuring out all the information you have about a single person. But you also have to be able to remove it unless you have a legal obligation to keep it. So if you're in healthcare, if you're in education, if you're in finance, there are some a ton of 
a ton of laws that might require you to keep certain information about people. And you're legally uh, fine to keep those. And keep it for a certain time and so on. Yeah, exactly. That That's regulated. Yep. But if you're doing event sourcing, you haven't really thought about uh, redacting things from your from your event stream. You suddenly have a serious problem when when Joe Random rolls up and like, hey, forget about me, remove me from your data. And you're like, ah, that's going to be really inconvenient and very pricey, and we have to regenerate all our state based off. Yeah, but you have to, or fines, you know. Yeah, that can lead to sudden development effort. I think. Absolutely. I think the GDPR fines are quite high too, so... They can be, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, usually more affordable to develop the way out of this uh, pit of despair. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Do you have some examples you like about when when technology meets society? (laughs) Let's see. One of the more interesting ones I've seen lately is I think someone bought an NFT of the a June movie manuscript. That manuscript hadn't been... It stopped at the manuscript stage. Oh, right. That was a super fancy manuscript that was super evolved and it's a super cool design thing, apparently. Yeah. And they wanted to make this into a movie. There was just one small catch. They didn't have the rights to make it into a movie because that wasn't part of the manuscript nor the NFT. So they put a stupid amount of money into this and couldn't do anything with it. It's like, congratulations, you bought a fancy book. Yeah. With no copies, of course. Doesn't mean you get to make a movie of it. Yeah, so so that's one. Yeah, we have a copyright laws, and we've had them for some hundreds of years, and they are not very nice laws. And I would prefer them to change, um, because I think we could do better than having (laughs) the copyright laws that worked a hundred years ago might not work as well now. Yeah, I do think it's fair that because they uh, bought a copy of. Of the book, it doesn't mean that they get to make a film of the book, necessarily. I think that's fair, too. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so, I guess that was stupidity meets technology meets society. <laughs> yeah, I think stupidity is an important part, both of technology and society. <laughs> fair. It's, where would we be without stupidity? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's one recent example. I don't have too much details about it because it was (laughs) too stupid. (laughs) So, do you have an example? Let's see. Well, I think we'll we'll end up coming back to blockchain a fair bit. Yeah. But I do find it interesting sort of how, how the whole idea of doing something decentralized. So, if we back up a little bit, I think both of you, you and I are are fairly nostalgic about ye olden internet before oh, yes. everything was was bundled into a few platforms. When everyone had their own website, when small websites were 
existed and were full of information and there were actually humans involved and like you could you could actually search for a blog and find a blog yep. uh, not something that is 200% ads and something i guess that the transition there from web 1 to web 2 showed us was that it's really hard to fight convenience <laughs> yeah and i think that's one of the interesting things so this is not so much meeting society but probably meeting just people which i guess is subtly different it's not it's not really there's no law that's sort of involved here beyond 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 just sort of culture the law of convenience yeah but that sure you have a blockchain and it's a distributed ledger and oh we're gonna build web three on this so i know moxie marlin spike wrote a post about this he was weirdly optimistic about web 3 still which i think is uh, just him being uh, a bit strategic and don't want not wanting it to start a fight essentially but (laughs) he's shown a very uh, clear light on how few platforms there are that provide these apis for comfortably interacting with the blockchain with blockchains i should say because it's a pain in the neck to work sort of raw against the blockchain. So most people doing this NFT scamming, they use something called OpenSea. And they they have a bunch of APIs. And they, they've even built features sort of on top of the blockchain. So when, when one of these NFT uh, junkies lost a lot of his monkeys to some hack because he got scammed and hacked and which happens a lot on the blockchain and lost all of his apes that he'd paid so much for OpenSea apparently stopped trading in them and made sure he got them back somehow though code is apparently supposed to be law and uh, ownership on the blockchain should be absolute but I mean, they have the power to unlist things and that essentially kills them because they are the biggest platform for for this. So the distributed uh, trust-free ledger sort of source of truth is not really what people depend on. They just have a few central platforms. Okay, so, that are writing this. So the whole blockchain thing has evolved into Web 2.0 with like five central points where you can do your thing. Uh, seems like it. I mean, of course, you could probably... I also saw this one, uh, which is seems a bit related. Two very large... Uh, or uh, Two developer relations people... Uh, it's like a developer advocate at Stripe's parent company. So that was, uh, I think she's Angie Jones. Kelsey Highwater, which is a known DevOps name, mm-hmm. had a bit of an exchange around this where <laughs> she was like, but where does the trust come from? As like, It can't be that people are expected to read a smart contract. So Ethereum allows you to write code that's enshrined in the blockchain and that code can manage money, essentially. 
and it requires some money to run. It's super interesting, but yep. it's also very strange. And a great way to lose money. Yeah. So it's just like, so how do you achieve trust in the contract? It's like, oh, but you can read the code. Oh, you mean everyone should be reading the code of the smart contracts? Uh, you know, code is like an entire profession, right? Learning how to read code is something developers find difficult. There's no way it's accessible to the layman. If so, that yeah. means these contracts are really entirely black boxes and require immense trust from anyone that can effectively audit them. Hmm. Which sort of, sure, there's no trust required if you can exhaustively verify everything, which realistically you can't. And this is like technology, yes, 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 we've we made something that doesn't require trust. Assuming <laughs> you can verify everything. Like, yeah, technically that means it doesn't require trust. That's technically true. But uh, meeting humans uh, and when it sort of reaches the human world, uh, suddenly that's not necessarily good enough. That's when you run into some problems. At least. Yeah. It's if we just ignore the technology aspect of this in in the world that doesn't do technology hmm. before computers we had these huge repositories of code usually called the law and we had lawyers to interpret the law read all this code and to translate it to advice and then they uh, took quite a bit of money to do that so I guess this is just the same thing but digitally and you can run it through a compiler or interpreter it also turns out that it's still subservient to the old code system that is the law yeah of course inertia no, but but it's interesting because something that became clear with the legal system is that the law as written is only part of the story the law as it has been interpreted historically is immensely important in knowing how it, how you can expect it to be enforced, uh, what you can pull on in case you are in trouble with the law. Like, oh, no, but see, uh, in the past, these, have been, these cases have been decided like this, uh, so it makes sense that I could do what I did. Or or uh, rather should have a lenient punishment or uh, actually this law is not as strict as it says. Like, it's tempered by a bunch of human mess. Yeah, of course. But when it comes to smart contracts, like, code is a law, feels like... If you think that sounds like a good idea, I don't think you've had a sort of open-eyed look at code. <laughs> or you really, really don't mind some people getting absolutely screwed. Well, some people do get screwed by the law too, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But but you have the possibility of human intervention there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Which, I mean, I mean that can also get worse. I mean, the law is a very powerful tool for for rich people yeah 
but it also uh, it's also uh, mutable for one thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not easy to change it doesn't have to be easy to change but uh, it's also interesting sort of smart contracts if you want to be able to update a smart contract you need to build into the smart contract that it can be replaced by a smart contract wow Otherwise, you can't patch your code when you run into an issue. And if your first contract didn't have that, that could be a piece of trouble. Wow. So strange. At least that that's my understanding. Because like the, the code's there, enshrined in glorious blockchain. Yeah. And as long as there's uh, as long as there's funds to run it or it can generate funds through its interactions, it'll happily chug along. Hmm. I'm reminded a little bit about Accelerando. Yep. Uh, where, where the protagonist has this sort of network of autonomous small companies that sort of incorporate and sell off and acquire and interact uh, in some automated corporate dance. And I, it's like there's something fascinating there for, I think, any programmer, but it definitely spoke to me in that. I do want to see like how far could you sort of automate creating a company, registering a company, hiring employees and without any human interaction like could you could you create a playbook not in ansible but a maybe in ansible but something that just like oh this this sets up a company. That would be a heck of a, what is it, Terraform. Yeah. <laughs> you just Terraform against the Bolags of Etiquette. Uh, so the, <laughs> essentially the IRS and, and the uh, whoever incorporates in, in other countries. But the people that handle the re- registration for your company, that you could just like, oh, make sure I have a company like this. <laughs> I just want it declaratively start a company i mean automating that stuff and just removing a lot of those barriers and potentially sort of i mean it's fascinating it's a fascinating idea to to do that and smart contracts would almost have to be a part of that i think in the like if you want multiple autonomous companies to interact with each other and make exchanges and and stuff i think smart contracts would would be a part of that i don't know that they need to be on the blockchain they could be on an internal blockchain yeah maybe i don't know like if you have an internal blockchain don't you have just have a database <laughs> yeah of course it's probably enough to have like one or two sequelites yeah maybe they can be patched so they can't update anything but only append yeah i mean if it's internal, you don't really, really need that. I guess it could be sort of powerful to be able to start a blockchain for exchanges between a few companies that have that have some reason to to sort of uh, have exchanges where where they just want to uh, shared understanding of what has been said, what has been exchanged, and all of that but they don't actually want to have to trust each other sort of an 
open arena between a few companies. I could see that being sort of useful. Then you don't need any of the sort of proof of work, proof of stake, I imagine. It's just a matter of, like, anyone can push to it. It's just, don't screw it up, because then everyone gets mad. <laughs> yeah, and there are copies of it everywhere. So Yeah, exactly. It's It's copies everywhere, and it requires consensus. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be fast. Yeah, it doesn't have to be particularly fast. Uh, but it would be a lot faster, probably, than than trying to do a global blockchain, which is what we're typically talking about. Yeah, of course. I am curious. There are a ton of companies that are doing sort of smaller blockchain somethings. And I I don't know. Is anyone putting it to good use in business? Aside, Like aside from the big speculative stuff because i don't i don't believe in that as, a, as anything long term or useful i have no idea but i'd be curious if there are if people have figured out like no but actually in this in this place it could be it, it is actually good uh, because it's really hard to set up like a trusted arbiter yeah because like that's where i think it could could come in handy but there's also the case like okay but typically one of the things you want from say an auction house there are auction houses which have have sort of well trusted heritage and people and trust them to do a good job of sort of verifying the origins of things that that they sell and all of that stuff and part of part of why you trust them is that they would apply judgment and that their their judgment and their fair judgment and their uh, careful assessment of things is what uh, what they live on and what they live and die off of so if they if they stop being trustworthy it would m- absolutely destroy them it would destroy their business. They might make some money up front uh, by betraying all the trust and then they'd be out. Then, then they wouldn't ex- essentially wouldn't exist anymore because like an auction house that can't be trusted is th- then they're not an auction house anymore because no one would buy from them. They would also probably be sued out of existence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's legal recourse as well. Yeah. But when it comes like if you have a shared distributed ledger and no one trusts anyone else, that either, I think people would be very wary about what to put put out there. If, let's say it was like a market for exchanging things. I think it would turn extremely cutthroat very quickly. And if someone found a way to uh, abuse it, there would be no one to say, no, 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 we're not doing that. We want this to work. And I think that's the that's one of the mistakes of, of this whole idea of zero trust. I, I was actually asked recently by by a friend on on the left side of the political spectrum here in Sweden who was like, oh, but these NFTs, aren't they pretty good for artists? Like they could potentially get paid for their art and then paid again when that changes hands uh, and like that could be a more sustainable way of getting paid for art 
Like, technically, yes. Probably not. And the art that changes hands and racks up big values on the blockchain is, of course, uh, weird speculative garbage. It's not like, oh, I've seen this great fantasy artist uh, that paints kick-ass dragons get paid so much on the blockchain. I've never seen anyone brag about actually pretty NFTs. Mm. So I doubt that many artists are making... (laughs) Many artists that were artists before blockchain, I doubt there's a lot of them raking in good money on blockchain. And if they do, I mean, it's... I think it's a card house. Yeah. And I don't think it serves sort of the the little guy, uh, the the small scale indie very well because you're you're just a very very small dot in a very very large speculative game. And unless you want to play the scam game, you're probably not going to benefit much. Yeah. Like you want, you want to promise that this collection is also going to turn into a video game, and da 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 da. It's very few people get into this to support. Like, oh, this is a local artist that I like. <laughs> Just give them some money, maybe get a nice print. Oh yes, in one way, I would like to have some kind of infrastructure like this to work. To. I don't believe in all that derived work stuff. Uh, I would just prefer if people contacted the original artist. On the other hand, derived stuff is fun and is an important part of the internet. And it's, yeah, a can of worms legally. But it would be really nice to be able to, to support the small artists, the whole long tail. Yeah. I suppose there are some platforms for that already like Kofi and uh, Patreon and to some extent Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Yeah and I can see why there would be artists that are like ah I don't really want to sign on to one of these weird major platforms. Yep. And yeah then it's going to be then it's going to be tricky but I also don't think it aligns with most most independent artist values to be like oh screw the environment i want to get in on this money laundering scam for criminals because a lot of the money going through a a blockchain and an nft is seem to be from what i've gathered uh, a money laundering scheme interesting because art is a super convenient way to launder money yeah, it takes so much less room than, say, an apartment in Miami. Yeah, and you know what takes very little room? JSON. <laughs> Comparatively. Yeah. It takes very little physical space. Indeed. You should see some of the JSON I write. It's huge. <sighs> I don't know what that was, but yeah. Yeah, I don't see the big upside compared to... So take take sort of anarchist ideals for example there's an element of decentralization to many to much of that and i i get why there would be an interest in blockchain to sort of oh but can we do do secret and uh, cool things and not be exposed to to uh, 
big brother and can we can we be super secretive or can we do our thing without needing to rely on uh, government systems and like can we essentially do things that are in our parallel society i don't think the blockchain is a good mechanism for that because it's zero trust while much of what i've seen from from sort of anarchist organization is small groups of people that overlap with other small groups of people and there is trust between people trust between small groups of people building sort of a a greater mesh where if someone needs help there's a lot of support uh, by extension it's like it's a different way it's a small yeah it's a granular web of trust rather than no trust and i think having no trust sort of this libertarian ideal where where also capitalism very much comes to play <laughs> like predatory capitalism the extremist kinds of capitalism would thrive on the blockchain and uh, for me personally that's not that's not what i dig i can totally see why i'm not a big fan of the the unregulated uh, capitalism that just shoes through everything like a dragon or something yeah and i think current current capitalism will probably chew on this blockchain stuff for a fair bit extract cash not necessarily actual value not for the world and if it becomes too annoying it will destroy it yep because after a while it will point its regulators because capitalism does like using regulators at it until it's unusable and it is mostly unusable for good purposes today <laughs> that's interesting it's a couple of years ago you could buy really good vegan sausages using bitcoin yeah in gothenburg uh, yeah yeah uh, so that was a good use i don't think it's possible anymore but yeah yeah i wonder what the pricing was at that point was it like one bitcoin for one sausage oh probably i hope so <laughs> i have no yeah. idea to be honest yeah i was i was slightly optimistic about bitcoin before i learned more about what it was or and yeah how demanding it turned out to be like it, it was taken so, to such extremes so very very quickly yeah when, when you could still mine it on your own computer it was kind of cool and like yeah quirky and so on yeah uh, so i guess it's like getting a pet crocodile or something it's cool when yeah. it fits in a bathtub and then it stops being cool when it doesn't. Yeah, I would love to have better ways to transfer money over the world. But on the other hand, I'm not too keen on drug trafficking and so on. Other illegal <laughs> activities that also would like to have better ways to move money all over the world. So I don't yeah. know. It's not super bad to just saying, send something via the banks. Oh, cool. Uh, like if if that's a whole, if you have nothing to hide sort of deal. And Yeah, of course. I do disagree with the general idea of, uh, well, if you have nothing to hide, why would you worry? Like, no, privacy, I believe in. <laughs> of course I've got something to hide. I'm an interesting person. Yeah, exactly. I'm not boring. If I would have been a boring person, yeah, sure. But I'm interesting and I believe the most people are interesting too. Yeah. 
there, there's probably something you don't want to share with everyone. Of course. Hopefully it's not too bad. <laughs> it might not even be bad. It might just not be something you want to share. Yeah, I do have a door and a lock to my toilet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but that's because you don't. there's something bad and you don't want to share it. That's true. As <laughs> those farts can do some real damage. <laughs> it's so weird because sometimes blockchain gets sort of lumped in with being privacy oriented or sort of wanting to yeah uh, like private computing and uh, anonymity and uh, secret generally secret stuff and it's like yeah you can trace the route from sort of ad blockers to tor browser and tor dark web and blockchain cryptocurrencies like they all sort of uh, string together in interesting ways but that doesn't mean and i don't think sort of tor and that kind of stuff is bad i don't think end-to-end encrypted messaging is bad i don't think the government sort of deserves to have the keys to spy on everyone just because um, just because they are sort of have the legal right to be to investigate certain things doesn't mean that they are allowed to this that's actually a case where where technology meets society and i would take technology side in many cases so sort of privacy yeah a company building something so that they don't have certain information now that could be illegal in certain cases sort of uh, if you're selling things and you've designed your system so that you don't have receipts, you're in trouble with the law. And that's probably for the best. Now, if you design a messaging system, messaging is not a heavily regulated activity, I don't think. I don't think that's controversial. It depends. Mail yeah. is a heavy regulated activity. You're, because nobody's allowed to open your letters yeah, but for the one you're sending them to and yourself, I suppose. So yeah, that but that's an interesting, interesting sort of thing because I don't think governments should be allowed to pressure back doors into Signal or iMessage or Android messages, whatever, because it it is a way of destroying something for for everyone, and the thing itself has has no, it is not used it is not illegal in typical use much like BitTorrent and BitTorrent is still around and it's not not it hasn't been outlawed to my knowledge but yeah and I, I don't think blockchain should be be illegal either so I really don't think governments necessarily should say you are not allowed to put things on the blockchain but I think they should probably regulate them for environmental reasons, for tax avoidance reasons, for money laundering reasons. And that's, that's a nuanced thing and it's a challenging thing. Maybe they can be... The popularity of them can go away when the police finds out or figures out how to do police work on the blockchain. Uh-huh. They did take, uh, what was his name? Credit Pirate Roberts. 
I think was his name. He he had the Silk Road. Silk Road, yeah, where he sold exciting or horrible drugs. I don't know. Depends on who you ask. And I think he got paid in Bitcoin. Yeah, a lot of that going on there. Yeah, and they took him eventually. Yeah. Uh, which is, I'm, I'm kind of sad that they did because it has some serious tech romantic hacker stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think one of the things that helped them track him down was that he asked questions like they he wanted help with how to do some particular things in php and he asked on stack overflow yeah yeah oh it's hard it's hard to be a criminal sometimes it is especially when the police is watching you yeah no but so like privacy all for it doesn't mean like just because the blockchain can be private doesn't mean it's good that it has i don't think i'm super convinced by zero trust as a concept because i think trust i don't know anything particularly good off of the top of my head that builds on no trust most of the great things in life are related to trust or at least sort of <laughs> The excitement of of stepping outside of your comfort zone with regards to trust, possibly. Yeah, I can see some uses for no trust, but they are very technical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are technically useful things because yeah. establishing a chain of trust is annoying, and then you have to maintain it, and it might break, and that's sad. Yeah, and and all this uh, look at the SSL certificates and certificate authorities and the chain of thrust and all that. But wait, chain of thrust or chain of trust? I love <laughs> the chain English. of thrust. This is good. I yeah, want the chain of thrust. How would you, you know, when you have a rocket? <laughs> And then you you try to balance something on it and you get this inverse pendulum. So if you balance a chain on the rocket, I don't think things would go well. So I suppose, yeah, that's why we don't have a chain of thrusts. Are you bringing us into a Kerbal Space Program? I'm always doing that. It's a great game. Everyone should play it all the time instead of doing this blockchain stuff. Also... Yeah, um, I prefer rocket science. <laughs> <laughs>